Welcome to Transformation Church Podcast. It's fun month here at TC. Today we have seven dynamic speakers teaching on the topic, I choose to enjoy. From wherever you're listening, we pray you're encouraged by this week's message. We have seven people and they have seven minutes each to preach the paint off the walls. So, DJ, can I get some intro music? Ah, yes. We're going to start it off here. Now, if you want to get connected at TC, there's only one person to talk to, and that is Miss Ashley Osborne. Coming up next, she's one of our prayer pastors, and she had a lot to do with the fact of our pastor being born. It is Pastor Brenda Todd. Coming up next, he's seven foot three in his heart, and he, he's really glad to be here. Can you give it up for Chris Harvey? Coming up next, he's wisdom, he's funny. He also had a part to play in Pastor Michael being born. It is our very own Pastor Tommy Todd. Coming up next, you can catch her crossing ankles tonight in the old school, new school basketball game. It is Pastor Julia Tucker. Coming up next, he's an angel and he's also an angel. Give it up for Caleb Angel. And last but not least, when I grow up, I hope my arms are this big. It is our very own Pastor DeMario Tucker. All right, well, this is gonna be super, super exciting. Like I said, they're gonna have seven minutes each uh, to preach a message. And I wanna give you some context of what's gonna happen. Uh, Really, they're all gonna preach different messages talking about one thing, and that's a choice. And they're all gonna be preaching a message. They're gonna be filling in this blank. It's, I choose to enjoy fill in the blank. I tell you, it's going to be amazing. So can we give it up for our very first Pastor DeMario Tucker? Hey, 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 hey. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Well, I choose to enjoy correction. And uh, the reason that I choose to enjoy it is because by its very nature, it is not enjoyable. (laughs) The Bible says so. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it says, for no chastening uh, seems good at the moment, but it's painful. And, uh, you know, I think we've got to get over this notion that at some point, you know, you'll get used to it. It'll feel okay. Correction never has and it never will feel good because it doesn't feel good for someone to point out your weaknesses, what you didn't do right, uh, your shortcomings. It just doesn't feel good. And uh, but guys, here's the thing. If we learn how to receive correction properly, it has some powerful benefits. And so I'm going to just take the next few minutes and talk through what some of those are. Uh, First of all, when we receive correction, it will cause whatever we do to become better. Um, You know, in this room, we've got a lot of people, you know, we've got teachers, we've got athletes, we've got public speakers, all all of you, you know, you kind of, you do something. And when you're able to receive correction, it will cause whatever you do to improve and to go to the next level. Um, You know, before I was here pastoring full time, I was doing software development and I had a mentor, guy that, that I really looked up to, excuse me, uh, and that I really looked, at, you know, he, he was kind of like the guy that approved and affirmed me and kind of helped me to gain confidence and that kind of thing. And, um, 
every time I would do a project, I would take it and I would, I would you know, I'd take it to him, kind of have him look over it. Uh, what I really wanted was him to say, man, you did awesome. You got an A plus this time. You did really good. And it never happened. 10 years, <laughs> 10 years, it never happened. He would always start off the same way, though. He would say, Demario, that's really good. You, you did a good job this time. But if I were you, I would take this out, I would add this, I would update this, and by the time he was done with my code, I had like 10 or 12 changes that I needed to make, and I would be so mad, like, why did I do it again? Why did I take it to him? I know what he's going to do. He's always going to correct me. And so, but here's the thing, guys. Whenever I would take that correction, whenever I would apply it, it would always make what I, my product better. You know, it, it would always take it to the next level. On the other hand, when I didn't take it, you know, it wouldn't be a month later that the customer would come back and say, hey, you know, we need this change. And basically, it was everything that my mentor had told me. And if I had just done it that time, then it would have been great. And so anyway, uh, correction will always cause you to do better. Um, the other thing is that correction will cause you to become better as a person. Um, you know, one of the big things that correction works on in all of us is pride. Um, and when I was in college, I met my beautiful girlfriend, uh, now my wife of 10 years and four days. Come on. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, my wife, she was a health and exercise science major. Um, she was a D1 athlete. And so one of the things that we would do together is that we would work out. And so my goal in working out was to lift more than her. <laughs> you know, whatever she was doing, like, hey, yeah, add two more plates on. And so in doing that, <laughs> I would, you know, I would sacrifice my, my form in order to lift heavier. And so I would be, man, I'd be rolling my shoulders and bending my back, doing all this stuff. And she'd just come up and say, D, come on, you're going to hurt yourself. Uh, you know, <laughs> plant your feet, put your elbows in, use your cord, I mean, all this stuff. And in those moments, I had the choice to either respond with pride uh, you know, and you know what pride does. Pride looks for any reason that it can to not take correction. <laughs> and so I, I could have said, well, she's a girl. She doesn't know. I'm a man. So I'm just going to do this my way. Um, or I could have responded in humility. Uh, not only does that improve the quality of what I do, but that was working on my heart and my inner me. And so, so you know, uh, correction will always work on who you are. The other thing is that correction will cause us to grow. Um, the, the scripture says in Proverbs 22, verse 15, that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it out. And so in that scripture, you see foolishness and childhood tied to this, you know, they're, they're one and the same. But on the other hand, correction and maturity, they're tied together. And so when we choose to receive God's correction, it's us choosing to grow. It's us choosing to advance and, and, and you know, to, to, to mature in who we are. Uh, you know, my son is, is 19 months right now, and it's cute for him to take his SpaghettiOs and dump it on his head, and we laugh, and ha, ha, ha. But it's not cute when he's 35 and he does that. You know, they come in with a straitjacket, like, what is wrong with this kid? You know, and so, 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 so correction, though, like I said, it's a part of the process of maturing and the process of development. Uh, now, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this point right here, um, because uh, a lot of times when we receive correction, uh, we receive it not the right way. And so one of the things is that correction is evidence that you and I are loved. It's evidence that we are loved. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says it like this. It says, for whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And it says that he chastens those that he receives as sons. Um, a few weeks ago, you know, um, I was doing some cleaning. You know, I, I walked in my bathroom, and like I said, my 19-year-old son, he's like a little ninja, a little shadow right behind me. And, uh, and he, um, 
and I, I open my thing, I'm doing my cleaner, and I, you know, I, I hear a rustle behind me, and I look back, and there goes my baby, and he's got a Lysol bottle. And, you know, of course, as a parent, I don't have time to explain what ammonia can do to his eyes and, and how it can poison him. All I had time was for, Nathan, no! And um, at that moment, you know, he dropped the, the bottle and he kind of, you know, his lips started trembling. And he starts crying. I, I don't know. I was like, oh, man. And so I had to come and I had to get him and say, baby, look, no, no, no. I'm not mad at you. See, see, he thought that I was angry at him and, and that was the reason for me yelling. No, no, no. I wasn't yelling because I was angry at him. I was actually yelling because I loved him. I, I, I was yelling because, son, there's something that you have in your hand right now that can harm you. And because I love you so much, I can't just sit by and lackadaisically let you... Uh, work with that thing. And so family, I just want you to know today that if God is, you feel like God is picking on you, you feel like everything you do, he's pointing it out, he's got his finger on you. Don't, don't take that as an annoyance. Don't take that as something that God is messing with you on. Take that as God loves me. God is saying to me that you are my son, you are my daughter, you're the one that I love and because I love you so much, I can't allow you to go that way. I know that all your other friends got away with it, but I'm not gonna let you get away with it. Guys, I want you to take the standard of God as him loving you. And it's because of this that I choose to enjoy correction. Wow. Man, that was good. Man, today I choose to enjoy the unknown. Now, some of you in this room might remember uh, the greatest TV show of all time, The A-Team. Came out in the 80s and uh, such a great show. But one of the amazing things about it is this particular team just seemed to always know exactly what to do, no matter what situation they were in or what enemy they were facing. And in fact, one of the characters named Hannibal would always say at the end of every episode, I love it when a plan comes together. And I feel like somewhere along the way, I made that my life motto. <laughs> I really like plans. I like having one-year plan, five-year plan, 10-year plans. Uh, Y'all know, sometimes plans don't work out the way we thought they would. We oftentimes call those New Year's resolutions, okay? We all know what that's like. But I imagine even if you don't like plans as much as me, you probably have plans for something. Plans for your family, for your education, maybe for your career or health. Um, But sometimes plans just don't work out the way we thought that they would. And I think what happens in that time is what's unknown to us. Suddenly we don't have knowledge or experience and we just don't know what to do because life just went off script. And uh, there's a story in the Bible in Luke chapter eight that I feel like perfectly represents this. Um, Jesus is with his followers and he tells them that he wants them to cross over to the other side of a lake. So a few of his followers, if you didn't know, were fishermen and sailors. So they decided to get into a boat and travel across this lake. This is very routine for them. They knew exactly what to do. But what they did not plan for was the most extreme, fierce storm that they had ever encountered before. And I know that, it's the, that they didn't know to expect it because of their reaction. They start to become afraid for their lives and believe that they're going to drown. Even though Jesus was with them. And I think this happens to all of us. We have situations in our lives, storms in our lives, life just throws a curveball at us and we didn't know to be prepared for it. We didn't know to plan for it, these setbacks that, that come at us. You know, uh, if you're a parent in the room, you've probably experienced, you know, one of those days where you had the perfect plan for the day. 
but you had to bring your newborn along with you. And you did everything to be prepared for those appointments, have everything packed, but you were not ready for the poop storm. You know, the one when it's flooding down their legs, it's filling up their car seat, and you're doing everything you can to scoop them up and clean them and not ruin your clothes because you didn't bring a change of clothes and you still go to the appointment with poop on your shoe. But we all have real life issues and problems that happen, storms that we feel are like gonna take us out. You know, maybe you wanted to go to your favorite school, you always planned on doing that, but you didn't factor in that you would get rejected multiple times. You had a, a business idea or an, an adventure that you wanted to go on, and you saw yourself becoming an entrepreneur that was very successful, but you never knew that along the way, you might have to file for bankruptcy. You planned a, a routine doctor's appointment just to get a checkup, and you had no idea you were going to walk out with a death sentence. Man, doesn't life treat us terrible sometimes? It's unfair. And I think, like the disciples, the, Jesus' followers, they look over in the boat while this storm is about to take them out and they see Jesus just sleeping and taking a nap. And many of us, we react to these situations. We just fall down on our knees and we look up to heaven and we say, God, why are you sleeping while life takes me out? It's how we feel. And it's valid to feel that way. But I wanna encourage you do not let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Jesus is in the boat with you. He is right there in the storm. And what we often mistake as God abandoning us and failing us is just him being at peace because he's not afraid of the thing that, tremble, that causes you to tremble. You know, something that's powerful about that passage is Jesus actually gets up from the nap and then speaks to the storm and calls it to stop and be calm. And immediately it happens. And I think a lot of times the missing part of our plans is we don't factor in Jesus. We only think about what we can do and we forget about the part that only God can do. I want to encourage you that no matter if you know what to do or you don't, you only need to know who is with you. God will take care of you and sustain you through the storm. But something I, I look at in that passage in Luke chapter eight, Jesus actually looks at his disciples and he says, where is your faith? He's a little disappointed. And recently I came face to face with that question in my own life. Um, I had a plan uh, of how I thought some events were gonna play out this year and uh, finances didn't work out the way I thought they would. You know, some career things weren't happening the way I thought they would. And I started getting stressed and overwhelmed by my plan not working out. So I went to our very own Pastor Tommy and I expressed the stress that I was feeling. And with so much wisdom, after listening to me, he just says, you trust your plans more than you trust God. And can I tell you, I did not wanna hear that. <laughs> But I, I know in my head to trust God, but for some reason I was in a pattern of doing the opposite. And I had to wake up to the fact that I needed to fix my faith on Jesus. He was unchanging and he would never fail me. And so I came today to ask you this question, where is your faith? Are you putting it in another person or in a plan that you had? Because it needs to be fixed on Jesus. 
I think oftentimes we know that, but we don't know how to do it. And there's this game called poker that I'm reminded of. There's this moment when somebody makes a decision to go all in. And I think it's so powerful. They're so confident in the hand that they've been dealt that they would risk everything on the fact that they believe they'll win. I felt like God sent me to tell you today, stop counting the cards. Stop trying to figure out if the enemy is bluffing your life. God is the dealer. He already stacked the deck in your favor. He dealt the promise for your life and the outcome is fixed. And if you can take that to heart, you can stand in faith like David and say, whether I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because God is close beside me. And that's why I choose to enjoy the unknown. Well, I choose to enjoy the process. Now, how many people in here have dreams? Oh, there's just a few. Just a few people have dreams. What I think about on here is oftentimes we hear, chase after your dreams, pursue purpose, set a goal. If you believe, you can achieve. But nobody tells you the one, two, three, or the ABCs to get there. Oftentimes, our attention is focused on the end result and forgetting that there's a route to get there. Now, when I started thinking about this message, I started thinking like, how many times do we work to circumvent the process? There's this show called Married at First Sight. There's no engagement, there's no courting, families don't meet, it's just thousands of people who are answering a bunch of questions for two people to sit in a room, to pick them to go get married, sit down on an aisle, dress in your best wedding attire, to come say I do, to live happily ever after. All because they don't want to go through the process. But everything requires a process. Now, as a little girl, my dream or my desire was to play D1 basketball. So everything that I did revolved around becoming a D1 athlete, from training and all of that. My junior year, I had an opportunity to where I would get major exposure to play, major colleges coming and all that. Well, I blew out my knee. Cool. Go have surgery, do the rehab, come back your senior year, you still got an opportunity. So partway through that year, I go back out and I'm playing and everything, and it's time for all the colleges to come. I'm trying to get a scholarship because I don't want to pay for school. And so they're coming through, but all of a sudden, I blow out my knee again. Now I'm disappointed, I'm hurt, I'm frustrated, but opposition doesn't mean that it means to stop. And oftentimes what you and I do is like, well, maybe God is saying no. No, that was an opportunity for me to grow. So I push forward and I'm going off to college to a place where I believe God has called me to go. And it's a D1, so it must be God. And so I go out, I talk with the coaches, send them some videotape. They said, come back this summer. We'll go ahead and look and see how you play. So I come back this summer and I mean, I'm in the best shape of my life and I'm killing the game. Like I'm crossing them up, shooting trees, all of that. We're about two months away from tryouts. You know what I'm saying? Guess what happens? I blow out my knee again. Now, there was hurt, there was disappointment, there's frustration because here is this dream that I've been trying to go to and it's been completely obliterated, shattered. Everything that I have put this work into, now I cannot have it. Now, if I stopped right there, I could say that these times that I put in were wasted time. Oftentimes we say, hey, God, you told me to do this, but I feel like that was time wasted. He said, no, that was time for me to develop you. Here's the thing. At the end of this, I, 
I ended up playing D1 basketball. It just didn't happen the way that I thought it was going to happen. So sometimes we have our preconceived expectations of what it should be and we get disappointed and we never engage with God any longer. What I didn't realize at the time was that God had me in a process. He said, baby girl, this is what I need you to know. You have locked your identity in your gifting of playing basketball. Y'all, mess me up. Then he said, okay, you're good but you're arrogant and you're prideful and you're cocky. I need you to be confident. I can't send you places that I want to send you. Then he says this, I'm going to reveal to you, basketball is not your purpose, but you live in like basketball is your purpose. I've called you to do much more than be a basketball player. God began to just wreck me over. And here's the thing, Isaiah 55, eight and nine, it says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far, far beyond anything you could imagine. So what is he saying to me? You don't know everything. You don't know what I have to hold. You don't know what the process is going to be like because there's always going to be a process. The question is, what is the final product going to look like? Are you going to be defective? Are you going to be that masterpiece? It says on here, we, we, excuse me, it says we don't have to always understand his ways to submit to them. We just have to know him. We don't, we don't have to sit up there and ask everybody else all the question. We need to engage the king. Oftentimes what we do is follow the dream. And I'm telling you today, you got to follow the king. If you want to get to where God has called you to go, that's the decision you have to make today. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will, seek his way in all that you do and he will show you which path to take. We can enjoy the process because we know that we are not alone. We know that God is with us. There's a relationship thing that happens here. Like when you're at the worst time of your life, that's when you're like, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Like we pray like never before when we have fallen into a place of discontentment or disappointment. Like, God, where the heck are you? You read your Bible going, I mean, I've done it. Be in a worship like you got to hear me. But here's the thing about that. It shows me how I need to keep my relationship with them so that I can hear his voice. God is saying, I, God says this, oftentimes we like, we like to be used by God, yeah. right? So my question is, how many times do we use people and have no relationship with them? Your banker, your coworker, God is saying, I want you to love me more than you love the thought of me using you. We love him to say, hey, God, I want you to use me. Yeah, but we don't want to spend time with him. The process allows us to spend time with him. The process allows, him, allows us to get to know his will and his way. Now, contrary to popular belief, we did not wake up like this. Your breath is rank. Your pit is stank. Okay, but here's what I'm saying with that. It's right now we're in seed form. And what happens in seed form is that we have to be planted. But we get planted in crap. It takes manure to access a seed to allow that thing to grow. So the oppositions and the things that we're facing are intended to unlock you and to cause you to grow. So yes, we might be disappointed. We might be frustrated. But when we enjoy the process and when we submit to the process, we know that there's a promise on the other side of that. We know that there's purpose on the other side of that. So what I'm saying to you today is that you're not alone, but Jesus is with us. Jesus showed us even when he didn't like the way. He said, listen, God, if there's any other way, take this cup from me but he said this not my will 
but your will. Not my will, but your will. Whatever you say for me to do, I'll do. So yes, sometimes in your process, you're frustrated. Sometimes in your process, you don't want to do what God has told you to do. But guess what, baby? Hey, not my will, but your will. Because you know better than I know. So today, I choose to enjoy the process. Give it up. Give it up. The process. Hallelujah. Well, I choose to enjoy life. I choose to enjoy life. You know, a lot of us, we don't even know what life is. We just exist or we just maintain or we just walk through the world disappointed at what we call our life. Our life was never intended to be anything less than magnificent. God said in his word, the thief came to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. I came that you might enjoy life and enjoy it to the full till it's running over. And I always like to say it like this. The devil came to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came so that I could give, live, and enjoy. You see... God has a plan. Should I drop the mic? No. But, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, the word of God is true. God has a plan for us. This life is not supposed to be some mere existence. We're supposed to be representing the king of kings. This is just like Julia said. This is a process. This is a part of the process. But at the end of the process, we get the reward. We get eternal life. We don't just stop here. Most people think that life is just like going through problems, having sickness, going to work, doing stuff like that. No, life is meant for you to represent, represent God to the lost and the found for transformation in Christ. It's all about him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. So if he is the way. We should be walking there in that way. If he is the truth, then we should be believing what he says. How many of y'all want to follow a lie? Everybody wants to follow or seek after truth. But the enemy, he is the father of all lies. He comes to deceive us and let us think that we aren't who Christ said we are and we can't have what God said that we could have. He said we could have it all. The scripture in Proverbs says that God, well, not in Proverbs, but it's in the Bible somewhere. But he said, <laughs> he said that God, we should trust in God who has given us all things to enjoy, all things to enjoy. So if you never go on a cruise, that's not God's fault. He gave you the opportunity to enjoy it. If you don't go nowhere but around the corner, that's not God's fault. He said this world. The earth, he said, heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. We're supposed to enjoy this life. So what I'm telling you right now is change your life. And how do you change your life? I change the way you're thinking. But first of all, you got to understand what life is. You know, the dictionary says life is the universal condition of man's existence. Or it's a course are the sum of experiences and actions that constitute a person's life. So what has been your experience? What's been your journey? There's been heartache. There's been pain. There's been sickness. There's been death. All of that is a part of it. But you got to understand that. But that is not what life is. Remember, the scripture says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. Jesus is the life. The life is found in him. It's not in none of these extra things that we think that life is built around. It's found in him. And we have to make a choice to enjoy what he's given us. So how do you enjoy? What does enjoy mean? Let me tell you what the dictionary says enjoy means. Enjoy means this. To have or to use with satisfaction, such as food, money, or things. We all like to use food for satisfaction, money, and things. It says this, to find or experience pleasure. We experience things in pleasure when it's like sporting events, like tonight when we win the old school basketball game. We're going to enjoy that. You know, shopping. And there's another definition that I know that you didn't think about. But it's a powerful definition. It says, to enjoy means to have intercourse with. You didn't know that, did you? But I bet you enjoyed it. Uh huh. You enjoy it. But see, you enjoy it in marriage, see. If, 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 if you ain't married, you don't need to be enjoying nothing. Find enjoyment in something else, okay? But if you marry, enjoy all you can because he has given us all things to enjoy. Amen? All right. So the last thing I want to say, there's a scripture. We have to make a choice, and a choice means to make a selection or to prefer something. Now, there's a scripture in Deuteronomy. Now, this is what I want to leave you with. I want you to, in, to really meditate on this. Deuteronomy 30 Verse 15 says this. It says, now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, his decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you and the land that you are about to enter and occupy. But if your hearts turn away and you refuse to listen, and if you do not, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and cursing. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to your ancestors, Abraham. So that's the reason you have to understand. Life, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's only found in him. So that's why today... I choose to enjoy life. Wow. What's going on, TC? Man, today I have the awesome opportunity of sharing why I choose to enjoy the wait. Now, how many of us in here actually enjoy waiting on something? I didn't think so. So we naturally don't like waiting on anything. We don't like waiting on our Uber to arrive. 
like waiting on our food to come at the restaurant. And some of y'all get ugly when the food don't arrive on time. I see you. We, don't, we want everything now. We want our next relationship now. We want our next job now. We want everything now. We want everything in Thanksgiving dinner form and ramen noodle timing. And, and, and today, I just want to talk around the subject on how we truly need to learn how to wait on God. And I know you're a pro at this, but I know I'm still progressing. In fact, this time last year, I had a 1998 Ford F-150. Paid for cash in high school, and y'all was pushing it. Had no AC, but I was pushing it. Always something wrong with it, but I was pushing it. In fact, I was pushing it till the wheels fell off, and y'all, they, they fell off. And I was frustrated. I told my dad, you can have it. Free, indeed. I don't want it. I don't want to look at it. I'm tired of driving no AC. I'm tired of something wrong with it. You can have it. For a month or so goes by, I'm good. Of course, it's not as accessible as having a car, but I'm straight. I got Gerardo, Uber. I'm walking everywhere in style. Like, I'm good. And then a month, another month began to go by, and I began to get frustrated again. In fact, I was driving to church one Sunday morning in one of my parents' car, and I just had a real conversation with God. I told him I've been to church all my life. See, he heard about miracles, all these great things, but I was like, I, I never experienced one for myself. Like, I, I've heard messages on how we line our faith with expectations. We'll see a miracle, but I haven't, why haven't I experienced one? So I said, God, in this moment, I'm lining my faith up with you, who you are, with my expectation that you can't do something. That I'm expecting you to bless me with a car. It was a great moment. Y'all was crying, worship. Hey, y'all about God, but I'm expecting you. I'm expecting. It was great. And a month or so goes by, and y'all, I'm good. Because I had peace about it. Like, it was the first time I truly felt like, God, you, you got this. But uh, another month began to go by, and uh, I got frustrated again. In fact, I found myself at uh, car lots. In fact, at Land Rover car lots. <laughs> With about $500 in my bank account, and the credit score so bad, the number didn't even pop up. It was just a sad face. It is, it is that bad. But God began to check me that next month. As we begin to start a new series here at our church called Stride. As we not strive for things, but as we walk in the pace of grace. That God will begin to line things up in our life. And what's funny is, some of y'all were here. That, that, that promo video that you saw the guy walking in the street. Your boy. That was me. The TC magazine that some of y'all have. Your, your boy is on the front cover. What, what I, what's funny is, I feel like God was intentionally making fun of your boy for striving for things, but at the same token, making me a landmark for you and I to remember back. So if we strive, not strive for things, then he will make a way. So a month goes by, y'all, I'm, I'm for the first time truly good. Like, I have peace about God is going to do this. Another month goes by, there's no car. Uh, and another month goes by, there's no car. About eight months have passed, and whew, there's, there's no car again. And when I think about my story, I think about a specific story in the Bible that's really similar. It's a group of people called the children of Israel. A guy had just promised them something great. A promised land full of everything their heart and want and desire. So I want you to think in your mind right now. Everything that your heart want and desire. It may be your dream job, your dream car, Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. I don't know what yours is. That, may be, that might be mine. I don't know. But God had just promised them this great place. But he said, in order to get to that place, you're going to go through a wilderness detour. A, a few tests might, you might hit in order to get to that place. What God said was, I chose to send them through the roundabout way, not the, uh, through the main road. And the reason why he did that, because if they would have went through the main road, they would have faced the battle. If they would have faced the battle, they would have went back to Egypt. Now, why is Egypt significant? Because Egypt is where they came in slavery. 
Egypt is where they came out of bondage. So what God is saying, the reason why I didn't send them to the main road, because if they were down the main road, they would have faced the battle and went back to Egypt, went back to what's comfortable. Now, doesn't that sound like us? God promises something great, but we get frustrated in the waiting process, so we go back to what's comfortable. We get frustrated because another doctor bill comes our way, so we get frustrated and stop trusting God. We get frustrated and find ourselves at car lots trying to purchase cars that we don't even have money for. We get frustrated in the singleness process, so we find ourselves in old relationships. I'm not, you, you are perfect, so I'm talking about myself this morning. But I really want you to think about this. Like, what have you been waiting on God for? Like, what are, what are the tests that have been coming to your life that you've been waiting and praying God and with tears crying in your face and nobody sees? What have you been praying for God for? But I love about this, the story, it truly shines light on what tests really are. We've been looking at tests wrong our whole life. Tests are only there to ensure we can endure the promise. Think about it even in school. The tests at the end of the school semester, they're there to ensure that you can endure the next level of education. We've been looking at tests wrong our whole life. We hate tests. In fact, we hate waiting. Just like the children of Israel. They turned what was intended to be an 11-day journey to 40 years because they couldn't wait. So that simply shows us that how you wait for something determines how long you wait for it. But I really want us to really get this. Because what you don't know is, as the end of the eight months begin to roll around for me, God had intentionally placed my name on a specific couple here at the church to bless somebody with a car. So as I begin to walk, as I begin to strive, strive after God, God had intentionally, out of all the people they know, God had intentionally placed my name on their heart. And some of y'all were here as I stood in the exact same spot with tears flowing down my eyes and for the first time truly experienced the power of God's hand on my life. And even more so, truly experience how powerful it is when you truly wait on God. So I don't know what you're waiting on God for, but I'm here to tell you today, as you wait on God for your marriage to become whole, as you wait on God for your son to find God, as you wait on hold for your schooling, as you wait on God for your situation, God has not forgotten about you and he will launch you into your promise. But will you wait? Somebody give God a praise in this place. Will you wait on God? He has not forgotten about you. He has a plan for your life. Just because you are delayed does not mean you are denied. This is why I choose to enjoy the way. Glory to God. I choose to change. At the beginning of the year, I heard God at 1.30 in the morning, say, come here. Ran to see what he was talking about. The fact that we have five sons, I didn't know if I was getting ready to go and travail and praying and fasting or whatever the case might be, especially a lot of prayer, because at 1.30 in the morning, there's no telling what some of them might be doing. <laughs> and I was a little anxious, guys, about what was happening. And when I calmed down to hear what God was saying, it was all about me. It wasn't about the children. It wasn't about the grandkids. It wasn't about my husband. It was about me. Sometimes when we always, you know, are looking for, okay, I got to pray for that person. I got to pray for that. No, God said, I need you to come here. I 
choose to change. And see, when we talk about change, change from me and new from me meant change. Many times we don't want to change. Come on, because we think that we are grand and various things that's been going on in our lives and all of that. And I was like, okay, you want to do something new. And immediately I thought about scripture in Isaiah 43. Getting with verse 18 and 19, it says, do not remember the former things. And the one thing I want to let you know is many times when we think about where we have been, what we've done, because I've done a lot in life. He said, don't even remember it. He said, no, consider the old. Don't even consider the old. He said, behold, I will do a new thing. Somebody shout a new thing. God wants to do something new. And he was telling me, Brenda, with all you've experienced, you haven't even seen nothing yet. Your eyes haven't seen. Your ears haven't heard. It is not even entered in your heart what I got going on for you, girl. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Somebody say now. God wants to do something in your life right now. We've been putting it off too long. So I was like, okay, God, you want to do something new. Again, new means change. And we don't always like that. So let me, let me show you something here. I want you to turn to John. Well, you can just look at it. In John, the third chapter, there was something that was going on with the man of God called Nicodemus who needed some change. And so he went to God at night. Hello. He went to him at night and began to say, hey, look, I know you are awesome because you are awesome, but I need, come on, glory to God. He was talking to Jesus. And look in verse 2, what it says. In verse 2, it says, this man came to Jesus by night. It's 130 a.m., y'all. Hello. And said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Had nothing to do with that. Come on here. At 60 years old, and I don't mind saying that, hello. God, you said you don't want me to remember the old. You want to do something new in me. Many of us, our age, we use it as an excuse not to change. Hey, my God, today. Hey, God wants to do something in you for many of you he spoke to you years ago and you still haven't done it and now you're saying I'm too old to do it but God comes even this day to literally challenge you in your life to say to you right now in Jesus name you need to obey what I told you there is so much more to you glory to God somebody say hallelujah immediately I began to think about a process in biology. It is called metamorphosis. In other words, in that metamorphosis, it means that I'm going to change you. There is a process to the change. Are y'all in the house today? And I know that you are. Glory to God. You will move from one step 
to the other, to the other, until you get like I want you to be. In other words, it's a name called transformation. Look at somebody and say, God wants to transform you. And that's what he wanted to do in me. And it was about a higher call. Well, see, what happens is in that process, hello, of newness and change, an egg is laid. Go from being laid to then going into a caterpillar. Caterpillar is a long, slow-moving situation. Hello, glory to God. Sometimes the process looks slow my God today but you keep on being that caterpillar and you'll move from the caterpillar to the point glory to God hallelujah you'll move from being in the caterpillar to going into the cocoon nobody likes the cocoon because at that time I'm saying that process because at that time you're by yourself it's at that time, hallelujah, hey, 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 you don't always like being by yourself, but God said, come here, I need you to go deeper, I need you to see what I'm saying to you. When you come into that cocoon state, it may be fasting, it may be praying, are y'all in this house? Glory to God, he'll do something so deep in you. He said, come off the shoreline. I need you to come in here deeper. I need to show you the plan that I got for your life. It moves from that cocoon state until you break out. God say, if you allow me to do new thing in you, you'll go break out. My today hallelujah somebody say it's time to break out and when you break out you can't break out too soon you gotta do it at the right time in the name of Jesus and when you break out you begin to soar in the name of Jesus because you become that beautiful butterfly you forget those things which are behind and you begin to reach for those things which are ahead the whole idea of all of it was God said, regardless of how long I've used you, regardless of the anointing that's on your life, the fullness of what I got for you and the people that you shall touch, you haven't seen absolutely nothing yet. It's about the souls you will touch. It's about the people that will be changed. It's about the people that will be healed, delivered, and set free. And so, my conclusion is, I choose, I'm making a choice, glory to God, the new thing, I choose to change, that is my choice, because I want the greater, the higher, in Jesus' name. If that's you, give God some glory up in this house. I said, give God glory. I said, give God glory. Hallelujah. Well, 
<laughs> I want to be like Pastor Brenda when I grow up. <laughs> I choose to enjoy the unexpected. So for my story, it starts about five years ago, and we were expecting our second child, Charlie. We had Lucy first, and then five and a half years later came Charlie. And when he came, he was tiny, and he was perfect, and he was really cute, just like I expected. <laughs> but what I didn't expect over the next few years is that he would be so sick on and off. We would almost lose him, and we would find out that he had a rare immunodeficiency that only affected one in a million boys. My son, my baby. It was us, and that was really unexpected. And, and I know in a room this size, you've probably experienced unexpected things in your life. Maybe you're going through it right now, too. Maybe it's been your own medical diagnosis, maybe uh, a failed marriage, a relationship that you didn't see coming to an end. Maybe it was a job you thought you would always have. Whatever the unexpected is, we've all experienced those things. And so I want to encourage you. I heard Pastor Eugene Cho say something a few weeks ago at a conference I was attending. He said, God doesn't tell us the future because he loves us so much. Man, that really resonated with me. Uh, I remember Jesus talking to the disciples before he went to be crucified, and you know what he said. He said, you're going to experience trials of many, but take heart. But, but there's a line in there that I feel like often gets missed in that story. It's from John 16, 12, and he says, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it yet. And, and I've heard other translations say you can't handle it. I thought, man, that's so true. For example, anybody in the room married? Anybody in the room married? Would you have done it had you known some of the things that you were going to go through? I mean, it's just an honest question. I don't know if I would have done it if I knew about year two. Uh, this is one fight where the keys just went down the hallway and psh, right into the sheetrock. I didn't see that coming. But, you know, that's the thing about the unexpected is that it causes us to struggle and in this story, for me, I really struggled with the goodness of God. When we got this diagnosis, I'm like, God, how could you do this? Why us? I mean, God, I, I serve you in your church. I mean, come on. And then it turned to me, and I started blaming myself. And I said, God, what did I do? What sin in my life caused this? I mean, was it the Dr. Pepper and the Lucky Charms? I mean, the doctor told me I could be moderate with those things. And I know you laugh, and it's kind of funny, but I really thought stuff like that. Because the enemy will turn you on yourself during the unexpected, and it'll cause you to want to doubt yourself. The unexpected will cause you to struggle, and that's because typically when you're in it, you're not able to see all the blessings that are going to come from it. So for us, it was our community that rallied around us at church and at school and at work. They prayed for us. They, hold, they held our hands up. It was the Johnson family. You know, we had to go to Cincinnati for my son to get a bone marrow transplant. It was his only chance of survival. And the Johnson family didn't even know us. They took us in and they became our family away from home. We needed them. I think about the nurses that took care of my son. Man, we became such good friends with some of them. One of them, two years into treatment, her husband just ups and leaves her 
and her unexpected intersected with my unexpected. And we were able to love on each other and encourage each other. And I thought to myself, only God could do that. Only God could weave our paths together in that way. And I thought, God, okay, this is a moment. You have a plan in all of this. What is your plan? And I would pray over Charlie at night. He'd go to sleep and I'd sit by his bed. I'd pray Jeremiah 29, 11 with his name. God, you know the plans you have for Charlie. Plans to prosper him and not to harm him, declares the Lord. To bring him a hope and a future. And I would just pray it over and over again. I'd say, God, I know that you can heal his body. But will you? Because I'm keenly aware that there are many parents in this hospital right now that will not leave with their child. And God spoke to me and he challenged me because that's what the unexpected will do. It'll challenge you. He said, Ashley, will you pray for the spiritual healing of your son like you're praying for the physical healing of him? Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I heal his physical body if he never comes to know me. And that's when I began to say, God, would you make this a testimony to his life? I'm going to give you the punchline. The transplant uh, was successful, and we're so grateful for that. In order to have a bone marrow transplant, you have to have a donor who's a perfect match. And many people don't find them. And so I'll never forget the day our representative called us and she said, Mr. and Mrs. Osborne, we have found a perfect match for your son. He's at the top tier of health. He's a young man in his early 30s and he's gonna drop everything right now to go. And you know, he had the transplant and it was successful. And one of the things that happens after you have a transplant is that because your old blood has been eradicated from your body by chemo, the new blood is able to start to develop. And it's crazy because now his diseased blood is gone and it's our donor, Corey, it's his blood that runs through Charlie's veins today. Isn't that crazy? Man, and as all of this was playing out, I thought, man, Man, this, this story, this sounds so familiar. You know, it's not just Charlie's story. This is my story. You see, because I was deficient and I was in need of a savior and a young man in his early 30s saw me that I had a need and he came to save me and to redeem me and now it's his blood that flows through my veins and it's the spirit of God that lives inside of me and because of that I don't have to worry about the unexpected because of the unexpected I can trust because of the unexpected I can have hope because of the unexpected I can have determination I can walk by faith and not by sight and this you all it has truly allowed me to enjoy the unexpected If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our TC app or at transformchurch.us forward slash give. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and live a transformed life.